0: This episode of the Golf Gaming Podcast and the Sports Gaming Podcast Network is presented by Winbet. Winbet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. For Same game parlays to live in-game odds, Winbet is what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100 and win $100 at sportsgamingpodcast.com slash W-I-N-N-B-E-T. That's sportsgamingpodcast.com slash State restrictions must apply. All right, DJs, welcome back to the Golf Gang Podcast. I am your host, Steve Shermer, riding solo uh, very early this morning. It is 6.30 uh, in the morning here. Uh, as you can tell, uh, I don't have my usual backdrop uh, behind me right now. I am uh, um, broadcasting from an undisclosed location uh, behind enemy lines in, uh, outside Philadelphia. Uh, as you can see, I am wearing my Giants jersey right now. I'm going to the game at uh, 4.30. But I am uh, committed to this craft. Uh, I didn't want to go past this weekend without giving you guys a preview. So I am up early this morning. Uh, I'll give you guys a summary of uh, the Sony open. Uh, Some things I found this year that might be slight changes to last year's tournament that I think actually might have um, maybe a material impact on how it goes. Talk about the golf course talk about some relative skill sets, the types of pro shots uh, guys are going to hit. Um, you know, and then maybe I'll give a little comment at the end about the Giants for what I think about what's going to happen uh, today, and then we'll get you out here. So, uh, before I get to that, uh, you know, right now, the Century Tournament Champions is going on right now. Uh, once again, I'm not, I'm not going to mush it for anybody who has Morikawa tickets. Uh, once again, Morikawa just make me kind of look ridiculous with something I said on the show. At least this time, I haven't been a lot of props, uh, which seem like they're doing okay right now. So, I'm going to at least probably profit off of that. Um But otherwise, he's up six, going to uh, uh, Sunday. He's looking good. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, Overall, the betting card, I feel pretty good uh, for some of my calls this week. I mean, obviously, having Xander on the card significantly was a uh, big hit. Listen, I place all these bets on Monday. I'm not on social media, and then by the time Tuesday, about right after our show on Tuesday – I start getting word that Xander is battling the injury. Couldn't cash out at that point. I hope you guys did. You at least room for your DFS lineup. It is what it is. This what happens in golf sometimes. We don't have a you know Adam Shepherd. We don't have an Ian Rappaport. You know going to the you know the week and we're like really, you know seeing how he's doing. It is what it is, guys. So uh, I'm not really going to kill myself too much on that. You know, hopefully uh, Xander's okay. I have pretty high hopes for him this year at some of these major venues. I think he'd be pretty good at. At least three of them. Uh, so We'll see. So while we get next transition to the Sony Open, um, and let's just start with the field. So you, we're being spoiled this week. You know, we haven't, uh, you know, what they're calling a, uh, uh, I think it's like a distinguished event, not an elevated event. Apparently the PGA Tour has uh golf channel um, having them follow the company line by not calling them an elevated event to maybe upset. You know, AT&T or Sony this week, you know, long as we sponsor, uh, by kind of saying that, you know, this certain event is worth more than this one. Um, But this week we are basically seeing at the Sony open, what the new schedule is going to look like for these tournaments, where you have about set 16 or 17 that these guys have to go play. And if they want their pit money, We'll see them all there. They're going to be great. But these weeks that are not elevated, I'm just going to say it. I know if FedEx uh, ran the checks for me, um, that are not elevated, it's going to be kind of a tough scene. And we kind of see that this week uh, at uh, the Sony Open. You know, It, it kind of reminds me of uh, the Shriners back in October where – you know, there's four or five pretty good names up the top. Uh, the Shriners, you had Tom Kim, you had Homa, you had uh, Sungjae, and you have Cantley. And, and this one, you know, you have some really good names at the top. You got Jordan Speed, who seems like he should be pretty good at this type of golf course. Um, some of the more shorter ones where, you know, there's a little bit more scoring at. Uh, those tend to have been pretty good for him lately. You know, like your Pebble Beaches. you won Town last year. You know, I, something like a Wiley should be pretty good for him. You got Tom Kim. Again, similar situation. Uh, you think back, there's a lot of guys who have done really well at Central Country Club at the Wyndham who have done well at the Sony. Well, Tom Kim won there last last year Bermuda Golf Course. I expect him to be really popular. Same thing with sung Jim, although I don't think he's really been all that good at the Sony Open. I had to go back and look at his course history, but um, when I was looking at his profile, I didn't see many too good finishes here. So, And then Hideki Matsuyama obviously won the tournament last year. broke my heart uh, as the guy who had Russell Henley. Uh, And I guess guess I'll include Adam Scott in that list of big names. uh, Considering he's also been playing relatively well, at least at the end of last fall, for DFS purposes, I expect it to probably be pretty, you know, uh, value pretty highly. But after that, though, then we start seeing, okay, if you're going to play DFS this week, uh, some of the guys in the $9,000 range, and it's just it's not going to look good. You know, you got your Corey Connors, you got your Tom Hoagies, you got your Billy Horschels, Keegan Bradleys, Russell Henleys. And then it's probably going to be $9,000 Taylor Montgomery week. Uh, he's back. So, uh, you know, and then we're going to have a lot of other guys who, you know, they're good. They look good on the show's gain, like Cam Davis is or Matt McNe or I don't even know if McNeil is in the field. Danny McCarthy, you know, uh, Seamus Power, uh, those types of players that as, the middle class and some of the more, you know, kind of names are, you know, used on the PG Tour. They've left for live. Um, you know, they have elevated their stature in the stats sheet. You know, from strokes game because they're just playing as weaker competition. So it's, you know, you know, just overall the top of the PGA Tour because the lower end and the middle class is just so kind of bad now. If you just play kind of competent golf, you can gain more strokes on the field, whereas you couldn't do that with better competition, you know, and now now we're seeing some guys that probably aren't actually the caliber of golfer. They are when we look at DraftKings or the bet, the odds board are being valued that way. And we see that this week. Um, I think next week at Amex, is actually gonna be a really good field. I think five of the top seven golfers in the world will play, you know, which is good. Uh, I mean, American express is a wonderful, you know, it's a big sponsor. Um, you know, the, the Amex, you know, formerly known as the Bobo classic was uh, one of the more popular events of the PG tour before um, it started to Peter out over the last couple of years, but you know, unfortunately this week, I mean, it's, it's too bad. I love the Sony open kind of like why lie. Um, I love my primetime golf. It's Hawaii. Uh, not quite as good of views as what we saw uh, last week at Kapalua, but it's still great. I mean, living in the Northeast. So I see some more weather, but overall with this field, pretty weak. Um, you're going to hear people griping. I'm already griping. Uh, maybe it's cause it's 6:40 and I haven't ate coffee yet, <laughs> but that's what you're going to expect. So expect this week, you know, you guys probably under 20 to one, you're going to see guys at 40, 50 to one that just had no business really being there. Um, but unfortunately just with the trends in gambling, you know, that's where guys have been hitting. I will say too, um, and this is something that's part of the betting preview, but I'll I'll just say it now. Uh, I think the last like nine or ten winners of the Sony Open uh, have played at Kapalua the previous week, which makes a lot of sense. One thing I found last year, and I tried to focus on with my gambling, is that um, I think every winner in the PG Tour, except for one guy last year, um, played within the last two weeks uh, before winning. So, of course rust is real. You know, you're going to have some guys that play well that you're going to have to pick, probably put on their betting card because they haven't played. But uh, generally speaking, if you just take guys from last week um, and, um, you know, pick them to win uh, cap, you know, the Sony Open, you're probably doing pretty good. Maybe at the end of the show, I'll go through uh, the list of guys. Uh, I'll look at the leaderboard real quick, and I'll try and tell you which one's basically your cancer. I think I did the capper a couple days ago. Uh, And I think it's like 15 guys. I'll do that towards the end of the show. So why don't you take our first break and then we'll uh, talk about Wiley. All right. Let's talk about WinBet. WinBet is the official online sportsbook for the Scores Gaming Podcast Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states and there are a ton of ways uh, to win, including wide betting and same game parlays. That great promos, odds and payouts are happening right now WinBet. Are you ready to play? Sign up today and receive a special offer. Win, bet $100, win $100. Limited to state availability. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to Sports Gaming slash WinBet so they you know that we sent you. The So it's W Y N N B E T. Give your free bet today. All right, let's so about why, why lie country club. Uh, so for fans of the N64, basically dinosaurs like me, uh, and uh, writing this column, uh, which will come out probably on Monday when I'm back in Rochester, uh, it made me feel very old. Um, so a lot of us, if, even if you don't really watch golf, if you played N64 and you have the game, true golf classics, you're very familiar with why I like country club. Uh, there's an N64 game that basically, if you play that, you already know this golf course. Uh, I posted a video of, uh, the N64 game, uh, in my preview, that'll come out on Monday. Uh, video games have come a long ways, uh, but for, for anyone who wants to feel nostalgic to, uh, all the beeps and boops and, uh, you know the difficulty of actually hitting a competent tee shot uh, on that video game. You can go play. Uh, you can go watch that clip. But uh, otherwise, for people who actually want to learn about you know the golf course today, and you know not uh, you know talk about video game consoles, the game out thirty years ago. Uh, shout out Goldeneye Double Oh Seven in the basement, though. That was uh, that was always the best thing to do when you're a middle school kid. Uh, all right. So the golf course was built uh, by Seth Raynor. Uh, he died before its death. Uh, before his death in 1926, but then it opened a little uh, a couple of years after that. Um, I mean, Seth Rayner, you don't see many PG tour golf courses uh, designed by Seth Rayner uh, on the schedule anymore, uh, or really ever. Uh, most of his best works have come on basically private country clubs that either have a membership that don't want to host a PG tour event, or they're just not the infrastructure or just the land availability to actually host them. But you know, a lot of the golf courses he's done uh, which are very classic designs, uh, you know, you you recognize. And are some of the finest in the country. Uh, the only other one on the PGA Tour we've seen from him is the old white TBC. That's the Greenbrier. Uh, we're going to end up seeing that at Live Golf uh, next year. Uh, that's a Seth Rayner. You know, it's got the bones. It definitely needs some sort of restoration. At this point, it's a little tired. Um, but it's got a lot of quirky characteristics that you kind of see sometimes as a Seth Rayner um and then others you got chicago golf club fisher's island uh the dunes course of monterey peninsula which uh they play at the pebble beach pro and they play a short course there's the dunes course as well which is also a very good golf course and then the yale university golf course which uh, has been in the news i think the last four or five years um i think there's a, you've had some people trying to restore it it's gotten very tired over the years but that's a you know a very classic pretty legendary golf course uh in its own right um so wildlife country club, it's, uh, it was originally 6,600 yards, very short, uh, over the years, uh, it has been lengthened to about 7,040 yards and it's had some minor tweaks. To it. but overall it's retained a lot of its charm and it, it's kind of a time capsule for, you know, what golf was. Um, you know, so I posted a flyover, uh, from EA sports, actually it's, uh, it's very good. Uh, but just, you know, just looking overhead, at the Google Earth imagery of this golf course. Um, You know, the routing's really good. Um, A lot of different varieties of T-degree directional um, you know, routing of of the holes, Um, you know, especially when it's windy conditions. uh, This can be pretty good. It reminds me a lot of Central Country Club as far as the routing, as far as, like, you know, not just going all one direction. You're kind of, all right, we're going to go, you know, maybe up to the north, and we're going to go back, you know, over towards the east, you know, and then we're going to go south. Like, there's a lot of different, Types of shots, especially if the wind is up, that you're gonna have to account for. And you know, I, I always appreciate a good routing here. Um, you know, a lot of subtle dog legs. Not nec- It's not tree lined. I mean, most of the trees are essentially palm trees here. Uh, they can basically punch out of. Uh, I wouldn't say it's narrow, but it's definitely not wide either. It's about average. You know, middle of the road width for a uh, fairway um, width on the PGA Tour. Um, but it's 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 a classic golf course. It's a Nice one to watch. It's very low-key. It's it's you know, it, it's it's very flat. It's not you're not gonna have the dramatic shot making um types of shots that you saw last week at Kapalua. This one's a little more straightforward. Um you know, I mean I guess if there's you know a couple holes that stand out at Y Uh probably the first one. So I I should mention too that uh for the PJ tour, they flip the nines and uh basically they want um number eight and nine for everybody else, uh plays the last two holes on the PG two, or for the tournament, which actually make a lot of sense. And I'll get to those two tools right at the end. But uh the first hole at Y Line, which is usually the tenth for the members, um, that was based off the road hole at St. Andrews. So they're both, you know, long par fours, slightly dog legged. Uh, they both have um a greenside bunker front left. Uh, to guard against, you know, some approach shots. Now, both, you know, the road hole uh, at St. Andrews is a very popular template that a lot of golf courses have copied. I know the fifth at uh, Augusta is basically a reverse road hole. Essentially, what a road hole template is is it's a hole that gives you a very safe uh, landing zone for your tee shot, a lot of bailout room, wide open to the left, um, and in a very challenging tee shot. You know, usually on another side where you it's guarded by a bunker. You have the an OB, and but how the green um, is cambered, you know, essentially basically runs opposite to the direction of the fairway. Uh, you want to actually hit your tee shot towards the danger because then that sets up the best angle to the hole. Whereas if you bail out to the safe zone, either you got to carry a bunker or just the way the green is undulated. You can't get to the pin. And that's what you see at the, at the first hole at Wylye. lots of room to bail out left um, wide open, but it's a longer approach. If you bail out left, you also have to carry that front left side, green, uh, left green side bunker that I talked about. Uh, but if you hit it down the right, uh, you know, there's a bunker out there, but it's only like two fifty carry. It's not a concern, but you have OB to the right. You also have a large tree uh, that if you hit, uh, a little too much into the rough, you're a little offline, you're basically going to be punching out uh for your second shot into the green. You're probably looking to get it either in that front greenside bunker or just at the front of the pit, uh green. Yeah, it's it's it, it's a tough hole. Uh I mean it it's definitely been made easier with how long uh these guys hit the ball though. But it's but a lot of these kind of classic templates, uh they're all over this golf course. So that's one example. Uh, the other infamous hole at wildlife is the 17th. It's, it's a Redan green. If you don't really know, um, what a Redan is, basically it's a, um, you know, usually it's a right to left sloping green with a, uh, bunkers guarding, on you know, on the right, um, or back, right. I, I posted an article in the, the Friday, basically, uh, from Andy Johnson, just outlining all the different types of Redan holes. um, you know, in, you know, the famous ones of golf, you can go read that. As far as the 17th, uh, you know, it's right on the beach. It's the most exposed hole to the elements on the golf course. Uh, it's a very tiny green. Um, very. It's basically a long and skinny green. Um, par is a pretty good score there. Uh, if you find yourself in those right bunkers um, and the pins up on the top shelf there, you're probably not getting it close to the hole. You're probably, you know, punching out or you're probably blasting out. It's going to roll down towards the left side of the green. You're going to two puff to get your bogey, um, you know, or same thing. If the pin is all the way to the, uh, to the left, you're in that less, uh, the left bunker, probably not getting any close there either. Um, so this green was rebuilt back in 2018 by Tom Doak uh, to kind of restore a lot more of its Redan characteristics. Uh, the golfers did not like it. They thought it was too firm, but after, couple years of some foot traffic from either tournament or guests of the Wiley uh, hotel or whatever it's called. Uh, it's softened up a little bit. You don't really hear those complaints anymore, but it's a great hole. And then number 18. Uh, I mean, this was on full display last year at the, uh, during the playoff between Hideki Matsuyama and Russell Henley. Uh, so it's about, I think, how long is it? It's only 550 yards. It's a tough tee shot though. It kind of reminds me a little bit of, um, the final hole at Southwind, which is a long par four, was basically like a 90 degree dog leg left. That if you're trying to cut the corners uh, of it, it's about maybe like 280 or so to clear the bunkers on the corner there. Um, and then the fairway's not very wide. If it plays very firm, uh, you know, how wide is this fairway? You basically only have about like 30 yards of runway to keep the ball. In the fairway, if, if, if you want, if he you had driver or otherwise you're going to roll into the rough, there's also a, a bunker about 308 off the tee that balls can roll into as well. Um, you know, the correct play is to just take a three wood and try and, you know, squeeze it between uh, the two bunkers on the left. Uh, you know, keep it in the fairway because then you can go for the green and two and, you know, it's a birdie hole. But if, if you're in that rough or if you're in that bunker, you're probably not walking away with a birdie. Um. Yeah, you know, it, it's a good finishing call. As we saw last year in the playoff, Hideki Matsuyama walked away with an eagle. Uh, Henley made a mess of it. Um, you know, good finishing par 5. Um, it's one of two par 5s, which I'll get to in a little bit. So so that's Lie. Uh Hopefully, I gave you guys a pretty good description about what it is. Uh, now, next, we're going to go, after this ad break, uh, we'll go into betting strategies, what I'm actually uh, looking for this week. All right, we're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Uh, Underdog Fa- you know, at Underdog this season, it never ends. And right now you can play their weekly Battle Royale games or even draft your best ball uh, ball playoff team. Uh, they also have a ton of daily games for, for the NBA and NHL. Plus, when you use the promo code SGPN at UnderdogFantasy.com, you get a 100% deposit match up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code SGPN. All right, let's go to betting strategies. So, you know, why don't we go over some relevant facts about the golf course uh which will lead me into um you know what skill sets i'm looking for this week uh and then like the types of approaches are gonna hit and then you know we'll close the show with maybe some thoughts about the giants uh, later on um so let's talk about the grass type obviously i love starting with that uh like the century tournament champions of capaloo it's wall-to-wall bermuda grass um the thing about this bermuda grass though it seems like it's more it's more of a common bermuda so a lot of these higher-end Bermuda golf courses in the PGA Tour, you see like your Tiff Eagles or Champion Bermuda Strains. They both have different uh, benefits to them, mostly climate and weather related. But this is Tri-Dwarf. Uh, most Bermuda golf courses just around the country are planted with this type of Bermuda. Uh, it's not really all that's special about it. Uh, it's one of the most common strains of golf coursing. But uh, of golf. So overall, though, kind of like with Tiffy, when I talk about Tiffy or, or Champion, like I'll give you the list of golf courses um, they had that same your grass type on the green, like the same strain. With Bermuda, just target general Bermuda um, putting or putting or you know performance, especially maybe at this place too, because you know this is probably unless they grew up at a, a country club, which a lot of these guys did. But if they're playing just you know your you know run of the mill um, public semi private golf courses growing up, they probably in the southeast a lot of these Bermuda guys probably grew up on this you know type of grass. They know. Uh, how to get around it, it probably explains some, why some of the winners are what they are um, at this place. Uh, let's talk about the length. So it plays a little over seven thousand yards, about seven thousand forty, as I said earlier. It Plays at a par seventy. Uh, only two par fives. I already talked about the one par five, the uh, the closing hole, eighteenth. It's a pretty difficult tee shot to keep in the fairway. Uh, the ninth though is essentially a long par four, kind of like what we saw this week at the fifth uh, at Kapalua. Um, it's only about five hundred nine yards. Now with that one though, there is out-of-bounds left. Uh, the funny thing about that, though, is that that's where the driving range is. And I think, I forget who it was a couple of years ago, but they hit it right against the driving range fence. And he tried to claim that he wanted to hit a left-handed shot, but based on where I think something was, uh, he was able to get a uh, temporary immovable object relief. Always my favorite rule in the PGA Tour because, you know, of course, the best players in the world should get the benefit that guys like us really don't. Um, so he actually convinced the uh, the marshal that because he wanted to hit it left-handed, he couldn't hit it how he wanted to because he was blocked out. So then he was able to get a free drop. And then, of course, he hit right-handed. Uh, Graysha, I think he had a birdie. like Ridiculous. Um, but anyways, it's a very short par five if you're walking away with pars essentially a boogie uh which kind of makes it like this is another point by the way I, i've seen some pushback on kapaloo this week about the par like you know as far as how much underscored or under par these guys are he'll complain about it's par something I it, it, it pars just a number guys like at the end of the day you're competing against everybody else and if you know like this week if you walk away from the fifth with a par you're losing basically a full stroke to the field you look at it that way, it doesn't really matter. Like if you want to change the par cap, capital call the par 68 for the guys, fine. Uh you can do that. But you know, they know you still compete with everybody else. I don't really care if this is a quote unquote birdie hole. Um you know, at the end of the day you still gotta get it done. So uh, but uh there's par 70 overall, uh two par fives, which I just talked about. Uh it's also features some of the co- shortest collection of par fours and fives in the PG tour. Ah, uh, collectively the par fours and fives they average about 450 yards in length. Um, that's the eighth shortest collection of par fours and fives on uh, the PG Tour of all events. They had at least I think four or five uh, events at that particular golf course since 2015. There's some other one-offs uh, that we've seen, but I don't usually count those because it's not a big sample size. But uh, it's the eighth shortest, so that kind of gives you an idea of you know what this place is. Um, and, and you know it's 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 very susceptible to scoring especially the last two years that we've seen here um anytime there isn't a lot of wind at a golf course like wildlifeeye that you know doesn't have a whole lot of penalty area it usually doesn't have very thick rough it's you know a place where even if you are offline off the fairway it's not all that penal there's not really a whole lot of you know trouble you can really get in not a ton of, not i think no water hazards except for i think there's a ditch i think on like hole number six or something other than that though not really a whole lot of trouble you can be had at this place um and when the wind isn't up and it can play it plays soft like sometimes it does it's a simple scoring and that's the last two years uh you've seen it you know the field average last year has been about two wonder now, part of that was, you know, we haven't had a lot of wind. Uh, I know last year, Hawaii got a ton of rain, uh, so it was very soft. Um, but just, you know, you take a classic golf course like Wai Lai that hasn't had a lot of tweaks through the years, other than, you know, some green reconstruction on a couple of holes, Um Yeah, and just like you know where the dog legs are, where the bunkers are, these guys are just so long now, where you can just you know basically cut corners at it. You don't have to play it straight as the architect intended. You can take it over the palm trees. You can shave off a lot of yards. You know that bunker that was a problem for Corey Pavin and Tom Lehman back in nineteen ninety five is no longer a problem for Keith Mitchell or Herdeki, or even some of the shorter guys. Probably not even a problem for like Kevin Kisner anymore. Eh, I take that It probably still is. But my point is, you know, that's why we've seen a lot of these golf courses just that we used to think would be, Oh, well, you know, you got to play straight, you know, positional, keep it in the fairway and, you know, play it straight. It's just not how these guys play anymore. I mean, it's, it's, it's proven the stats that just, if you hit the farthest, you'll, you'll score better, the closer you are to the green. And, yeah, The tournament directors took notice, and I took notice this year. When I looked at the tournament fact sheet from GCSAA, uh, the Golf Course Superintendents uh, Association, um, I noticed it, when looking at the rough that it was three inches. And I, I looked at them like, that's pretty thick and long. I don't remember it being that long. And so I emailed my contact at G- GCSAA uh, and to confirm. And uh, I asked him, it was this done uh, to basically – combat some of the lower scoring that we've seen at wildlife for the last couple of years. And he resp- confirmed that answer. He said, yes, it is. Uh, they want to make it a little tougher. So, um, yeah, I think that might actually be significant this year. I think it might be material. Sometimes we see some changes to golf courses and it just doesn't matter. It's not material. Uh, that's, that's a term I use in my day job, uh, materiality. Do I really give a shit if there's an error or a change? um, And this one, I think it will. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, so I think the goal is, you know, because they've seen so many birdies. I think they want to panel. I think they recognize that guys are just wailing lay a driver. Um, Doesn't really matter where it goes. I think they want to create a little bit of penalty to hitting a bad shot off the tee. Um, You know, so like I said earlier, this is one of the least penal golf courses on the PGA Tour to miss a fairway at. Uh, It's about middle of the road with the rough um You know, because just hitting on a Bermuda rough in general can be dicey. You see that this week at Kapalua, where you know sometimes a guy, a guy will have a great lie and it's fine. Uh, other times, you see balls basically look like they fell into a hole. um You know, and he, and you know, even though this thing had about you know sixty two percent you know drive accuracy rate, which is a little above pg Tour standards. You know, the fact that it's narrow or like you're supposed to play a positional didn't really bother these guys. So. Growing up the rough, I think, is going to be important. And to give you guys some perspective of what types of rough length we have in the PG Tour. Uh, so this was about two and a quarter inches of Bermuda Rough. Uh, I think that's similar to what is Kapaloo. It's also similar to what you have the Shriners uh, Children's Open, which, listen, that's way wider, uh, you know, huge greens. The greens also aren't that flat houses, But that's one where you just blast it anywhere. You kind of saw that a little bit here at the Sony Open. Uh, so the at the Shriners, which is always, you know, a birdie fest, uh, that had two and a quarter inches rough. On the flip side of that, you have Colonial Country Club, which, you know, we all say it's a bank grass golf course, but it's only on the greens. Uh TD Rains Bermuda. And that's three inch Bermuda. And if you watch Colonial, that is a golf course where you really do need to keep it in the fairway. Like you gotta drive it well. Uh, if you are offline there, you're basically looking to get up and down to say par. You also notice too the scoring there. Uh, tends to be a little tougher than some other places. Now, a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, how the golf course is set up. And, um, you know, there's a lot more wind sometimes at a Colonial than there is at Wiley. But that's part of it, though, is the fact that if you're in that Bermuda rough, you know, it's difficult for you. And you kind of look at the two tournaments, too. I mean, Colonial, very short positional, you know, for most guys, golf course. Um, you know, classic routing, classic design. Same thing here. You know, Wylie short, as intended, a positional golf course. Classic routing, classic design. So I'm not saying that colonial is gonna or YLI this year is gonna be as tough as Colonial was, you know, usually. Um yeah, I just don't think this golf course has as many defenses as a colonial does. Um, you know, mostly with the natural elements, I probably would think though, I think this might be comparable with what we saw at the Sanderson. Um, you know, I mean, like that was winning score, I think like 17, 18 under, but I noticed this year, you know, and the firm conditions helps, but the rough seemed like it was a little gnarlier uh at Jackson Country Club this year than it was in prior years. Um, you know, and that kept scoring down. so I, I think the scoring average from last year to this year at the Sanderson was down over a full stroke per round. So, you know, let's kind of translate to this place. So, typically, you know, the green regulation rate is about seventy-two percent at Wailea Country Club. That's that's above average. I think the PGA Tour average is like 66 percent. Anytime you get above seventy percent, that's when you start seeing, all right, these guys are basically going to take a, you know take this place apart, unless it's firm or you know the greens are really tough to putt on. You know, Wailea though, it, a place like that, has shorter golf course with a high green regulation rate, even with kind of so-so drive accuracy rates. Um, you know, it's going to be you know basically low scoring. Uh, what I would expect with the longer rough at Wiley this year is, you know, let's say the driving accuracy rate stays the same, which it, I would expect it probably it would. Um, I'm probably expecting that green regulation rate to go down, probably dip into the sixties, you know, high sixties. Nothing extreme. It's not going to be like Shinnecock or Wingfoot all of a sudden, but you know, you're going to guys that are going to come up to your golf ball. And now it's a little bit more of a, you know, crapshoot, whether you have a good lie or not. Um, and sure, it's not going to be overly long. You still get a club on it. But, um, you know, that's going to cause you to miss some more greens just naturally. If, if it's longer rough, either, you're not, you know, you're getting a flyer lie, it's going to go over the green or you're just going to get co- good contact it's going to end up short. Uh, I think that's going to bring down the green regulation rate a little bit, not a ton but enough for scoring to kind of be affected and I think make it a little tougher, which I think is needed. You know, it's, it's good. Listen, like I don't love growing up rough in order to, um, you know, challenge these guys in general. I feel like, you know, just, you know, you should basically, you know, do something with the greens or the green side surrounds, like make that a little more tricky. Or, you know, kind of like what we do with the first hole, like, you know, the road hole template where, okay, you have a very safe option and you have a very risky option, risky option. you know, challenge these guys that way. But, I mean, they only, they got to do what they got to do. Otherwise, I mean, there's really nothing they can do to this golf course as is challenge them other than just grow up the rough. And listen, like at the end of the day, this is an entertainment product. I'm not playing it. So this is going to make it a little tougher for these guys. I think that's, you know, that's, that's a good thing. Because um, otherwise, um, you know, typically, this is a golf course that does not challenge these guys. Uh, I said in my article, which will come out on Monday, that there's no strokes gain category uh, at Y Lie that plays tougher than any average PG tour setup. Basically, you're gaining more strokes overall in every category off the tee, approach shots, you know, pretty relatively stress free tee shots, stress free approach shots around the green. It's not all that difficult, which I'll get to in a little bit. Potting, it's not all that difficult. You're basically gaining more strokes. Uh, around and why than you tend to do anywhere else it's basically easier to do it uh probably the easiest areas when you see the biggest differences around the green especially from chipping off some of these tight lies uh, it's statistically the easiest golf course uh, chipping off of a fairway onto the green um, not really sure why it just that's how it is maybe the greens aren't all that severe um, maybe it could be this tournament tends to Attract guys who tend to, you know, play a lot of Bermuda, uh, you know, growing up, and they might be a little more adept at it. That might be a reason why, too. Um, So I guess overall, though, like, I guess the main impact is if you get a guy who maybe isn't as good, coming off of Bermuda or tight lies in general or from the fairway in general, they might be more susceptible to lose more strokes to the field. And that kind, you kind of see that a little bit the relative skill set chart that I'll talk about right now. so Wieye Country Club is and I get all this from data golf um, and it's usually a very handy tool. Usually it helps me decide what types of golfers I want to look for, what sorts of skill sets tend to be a little more prevalent towards the top of the leaderboard. Uh, Wieye is one of the least correlated golf courses on the PGA Tour where nothing really matters. It's only a couple things kind of you see as far as a, uh, a similar trait uh, every year on the leaderboard. Uh, driving distance, definitely not. Uh, in fact, actually, I would argue that it's mostly shorter hitters that do a little better here. I think this type of golf course, as I'll talk about, maybe matches a little more of the strengths that a bomber who tends to focus more on distance and maybe not some of the more craftier things about golf, maybe lag behind a little bit. Um, you know, there tends to be a little more accurate players on um, the top of the Libra. I don't think, you know, before this year with the length of the rough. I think that more had to do with just the type of guys and profile players who would do well here. Not necessarily that you have to be accurate per se. I think it just means that, okay, you know, some of the shorter guys on the PGA tour, they tend to keep their car because they do hit a lot of fairways. You know, they tend to be a little better putters and scramblers, and those are more just what they're good at. And that's not necessarily at this golf course, anything to do with it. But generally speaking, usually more accurate guys tend to be a little better on the top of the leaderboard. There are exceptions, you know, like a Keith Mitchell is pretty good here and he's not the most accurate player, but he's a good driver. Um, But yeah, it's your Kisners and uh, Kuchers and Russell Henley's coward Connors. Like those guys have been pretty good here and they tend to be a little more accurate. Uh, Iron play tends to be a mixed bag. Sometimes you get really good iron players. Sometimes you get really bad iron players. And I think that more speaks to the profile of, types of guys that do usually do well while i you know generally speaking they're just not as good with ball strikers as the premier guys in the pg tour they tend to keep their cards because of what they do around the green and putting they tend to save strokes that way Um, you know i do think you do have to hit your irons pretty good here Uh, i'll talk about that in a little bit but you might be able to find a guy who uh generally might not be a strong iron player overall maybe especially from longer ranges um but maybe in the particular range i'll talk about a little bit they might be pretty good uh there is usually a higher correlation the guys are pretty good around the green uh in general than there are the standard pgs who are venue again i think that might be just you know the types of guys that do good here not necessarily the golf course influencing that uh i think it just tends to the guys that just tend to do well here tend to have that in their arsenal um you know as i mentioned earlier it's pretty easy conditions around the green here um and then putting definitely a mixed bag uh Kevin Na won here a couple of years ago. He's a great putter. Uh Hideki won here last year and somehow led the field in fucking putting on Bermuda. That still makes me mad that I didn't cash that outright. But he won. And even Russell Henley. He had his troubles with uh putting last year. Uh typically you think of him as a good putter on Bermuda. I mean maybe that's why he was good uh last year, but last year he was a terrible putter. Um you know, it definitely, Corey Connors, that's another guy. He's usually pretty good at lie not a great putter. Uh, Matt Kucher, excellent at YLI, great putter. Cam Smith, one here, great putter. So it's a mixed bag. Um, not really a rhyme or reason to why some bad putters. I guess if I could find a common link, the bad putters are really good iron players, especially from the particular ranges, and the really good putters. You know, listen, they're not very difficult. <coughs> excuse me. Pro shots at YLI. As long as you put yourself, yourself in a position to make a birdie putt, you can do it. Um, now, as far as this year, though, I do think there is going to be a bigger emphasis on overall driving based on what I talked about. I Three-inch rough is pretty significant. You know, that can be a challenge for a lot of these guys because, like, you know, with Bermuda... It nests around the ball. It sinks to the bottom. Uh, I do think there's going to be a premium to hitting the fairway this year. You know, if 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 you think you're going to bomb it around here, cut the dog lights, Doesn't really matter where you're going. I think you are going to lose more strokes to the field than somebody who, you know, hits a lot of fairways. Because, again, like if you hit a fairway, it's not a very difficult or long approach shot into the green, and you still can rack up birdies doing that so um i think i am going to target a little more guys who uh either gain a lot of strokes off the tee or tend to do it more because they gain more fairways i think that is going to be significant this year i think that is still going to allow you to put up a score close to 20 under but i think that's also going to separate the field a little bit with the longer rough that you know you're going to miss your more your share of greens Maybe you're not going to have as many birdie looks um, as you do, maybe some other places. Not saying that, like, you know, these guys are going to have to hack onto the fairway. I just think it's going to cut down your scoring opportunities. And I think it's still, if you are driving it really well this week, you're going to have just as many with what there were before. So, and let's talk about the approach distribution chart. Uh, like I mentioned last so last week at Kapalua, very all over the board. There really wasn't a particular range you wanted to look at. Seemed like there was a mixed bag. You know, you had your really shorter approach shots, you had your really longer approach shots. And also skewing that too was, you know, some of the it might be 140 yards on paper, but you're playing 40 feet uphill and you're hitting a long iron versus, hey, this is 190 yards, but it's 50 feet downhill, you're hitting a wedge. So it's a lot of different types of shots, more of a shot-maker's golf course. I think Patrick Cantley talked about it in his interview about why he typically does well at Louis. He says that you know the first couple of times he came here, he tried to hit a lot of stock shots. You can't do that. It's a lot more creativity, a lot more half-wedges or you know three-quarters, seven-iron. Like a lot more things you got to think about. And Wiley, though, um, very defined where you're hitting most of your pro shots from. Uh, 80% of your shots come from 125 and 225, which it sounds like a big range, but 80% right there is just coming right from there. Like, you don't need to look at approach shots this week under 125. You don't need to look at longer approach shots this week over 225. Part of that is because, you know, the par five, one of the par fives is basically your approach is like 180 yards. Uh, none of the par threes, I think, are all that long. I think one of them might play over 200, but other than that, though, uh, it's between that range. You know, it's going to be your shortish irons, not your wedges, but like, you know, your nine irons, maybe a pitching wedge uh, for some some longer, maybe a sand wedge, and then going up to maybe like five irons, six irons, seven iron for if you're really longer. So uh, focus on those ranges. If I What I'm going to do is for my handicap, I'm going to break them up into 125 to 175, 175 to 225, just to see how each of them do. Uh, it's a pretty even distribution. Um, you know, for both those ranges, I think it's, if anything, shade a little more to 125 to 175. Uh, but anything from 175 to 200, there's a higher than average, uh, number of those shots in the PG2, or at Wiley, there is a PG2, or same thing 200 to 225. If you stick to those ranges, um, and if you're someone just as uh, a, uh, you know, model on one of these sites, that's approximately you want to look on 125 to 225. So, uh, so that's it. Uh, actually, you know what? Hold on. Uh, I forgot. Uh, I said at the beginning of the show, I was going to go over the list of guys uh, who are playing Kapalua this week um, that uh, are going to play the Sony. And I said earlier that trend that I think like the last nine or so uh, players um, uh, who won the Sony played a Kapalua. So um, JJ Spawn, he's currently T2 right now at Kapalua. Uh, He's playing next week. At the, uh, the Sony Open, Tom Kim, who I think is going to be extremely popular. He's playing uh, Sung Jae Im, uh, Hideki Matsuyama, K.H. Lee, uh, Mr. Byron Nelson himself. Uh, he's playing the Sony Open. Uh, Brian Harmon. I think that might be somebody I bet next week is Brian Harmon. He's just been playing really good golf, playing pretty good golf again this week. Um, you know, he's has a couple of good finishes. Why lie? Uh, that's probably somebody. Uh, he'll probably be popular, but those type of bets have been hitting. Uh, he's playing the Sony. Jordan Spieth, I mentioned, he's playing the Sony. Tom Hoagie, he's playing the Sony. Um, who else? Um Seamus Power. He, or no, Seamus actually is not playing uh next week. Uh Corey Connors is, though. That's guy target. Uh who else? Uh Billy Horschel. He's gonna play Sony. Mackenzie Hughes, he's gonna play Sony. Keegan Bradley's gonna play Sony. Ches Raby, he's going to play Sony. Chad Ramey, he's going to play Sony. Adam Svenson, also playing Sony. So, those names I just talked about, just if the trend holds, one of those guys is going to win uh, the Sony Open. And also, considering the fact that these are just generally weaker fields, I would not be surprised if you just pick off maybe three, four, five of those guys that I just mentioned on your betting card and just those are all your outright bets. Those are probably going to hit they're probably gonna be towards some of the favorites they're gonna have already they're gonna knock up the course rust, they're gonna be ready to go versus you know some other guys who haven't competed in forty five days. Um I think they're gonna have an edge. I, I, I think that trend's still gonna hold. So um that's probably gonna be, you know, my outright card this week it's just I'm gonna stick to it. Just, you know, it's gonna be a popular narrative. You know, bet it till it breaks. That's what I say. So, uh, you know, so that's it for the 70 open stuff. Uh, obviously, I'm going to the Giants game uh, later. I'm I'm excited. Um, you know, it's a little disappointing. They're going to, you know, rest or start like not disappointing. As in this is absolutely the right move. They they shouldn't play their starters. There's no reason to like they, they are a delicate house of cards right now where, you know, if you take off Saquon, it's going to fall down. If You know, Dano Jones, I people are going to get mad when I say this. It's Tyrod could probably do like 80% of what Daniel Jones does. All right. I mean, a lot of, I, I mentioned this on the show to Jeff Nagel uh, and Capper on Monday. You know, listen, Daniel Jones has been good. He's inserviceable. serviceable. He's been a lot better than what I would give him credit for. I've been happy with his performance this year. A lot, almost all of his coaching. And if you put him in our system, even if you get him better receivers, there are still limitations in his game. Uh, especially downfield now. I know a couple years ago, I think everybody said he's one of the most efficient downfield passers in the NFL. Like They don't take downfield shots with him. They didn't in the past either, and there's a reason why. They don't want him to take a lot of downfield shots. A lot of things very controlled. One reads, easy reads, very good scheme, but if you have a good scheme, you see with the 49ers, you basically plug and play at that point. And I feel like Dayball is that coaching staff, that's basically what they're creating right now with the Giants. So, um, yeah, I'm a little disappointed. That I'm not going to see Terod Taylor. <laughs> um, I guess the argument can be made that Dave is playing chess when everybody else playing checkers. Either he knows that if Daniel Jones gets hurt in the playoffs, he could just put in Terod Taylor. So maybe he is valuable. Uh, maybe he knows that the Eagles probably were scheming for Terod Taylor. They're going to play Davis Webb. Uh, you know, he's going to give him all that smoke. Um, that's a take that I've seen on Reddit very reasonable place reddit is sometimes with a lot of stuff um look i'm just gonna enjoy myself uh i love coming down with my family to the game i'm gonna eat a nice cheesecake drink a couple beers uh gonna wear my stuff in uh i saw on reddit too uh somebody was asking if um you know you should be afraid to go to the Gi- an eagles game right now but giant scare my answer is look just don't be an asshole. Uh, I guess if you're listening to this, you're going to go to the game. Uh, A, I guess try and find me. Uh, we're going to be going to uh, Wells Fargo parking lot probably around 30 or 2 o'clock or so. So if you see me, come over and say hi. Um, just in general, just don't be an asshole. Eagles fans are to talk shit. Um, that's just what they do. Uh, I think it's to mass some sort of insecurities they have about their team sometimes. Uh, you know, that, that was before they won Super Bowl, But... That's just in their nature. They're going to talk crap. And just don't, just don't, if you're somebody who doesn't want to get in a fight, doesn't really bother, just take it, you know, be good hearted about it. There's only really one time I felt pretty threatened. Well, I take that back. At the vet, uh, it was pretty rough. I've gotten shoved into garbage cans. I've had stuff thrown at me. Uh, I think, uh, I have had, I think I wore like a Tiki Barber jersey back before the vet closed. Um, you know, like 12 year old kid tossing beers. <laughs> I I took that jersey off. Um, but at, ever since they moved to the link, much tamer. Um, higher ticket prices, it tend especially in the lower bowl, very white collar. Now it's mostly just investment bankers and financial advisors who have all those tickets. Now, in the upper sections, yeah, sure, it can get rough. I mean, it's like every other, you know, football venue, giant stadium you know, Bill Stadium, whatever. But as long as you're not an asshole, it's fine. There's only been one time at the link uh, since I've been there. I've been going through a lot of Giants games. There's only one time I've felt kind of threatened. And that was actually last year. I was in line for beer and I had a really, really inebriated drunk Eagle fan just talking shit. Like he was right up on my ear behind me. He was really, he wanted to pick a fight. But I thought at that moment, look, Knock me that guy. I am feeding to his alcoholism, just buy me a beer. And lo and behold, you know, this suddenly mean, you know, haunting Eagles fan became my best friend. Cause all he, listen, at the end of the day, you give a guy a free beer, he'll be your best friend. So I guess if you ever come across a situation like that today, if you're going to the game, if you got somebody behind you, give me crap. Just pay the 15 bucks, give him a beer, defeat the situation, move on, enjoy the game. Because, you know what, the Giants aren't going to win anyways today. Um, You know, they starting Davis Webb, starting the backups, it's fine. So, I guess my official prediction today, um, I do think the Eagles are going to get off to a slow start. Um, For me personally, as a Giants fan, if the Giants end up like up 10-0, like early after the first quarter, somehow. Or even if it's like zero zero after the first quarter, and if I can just hear the Eagles fans start to get uncomfortable and boo, and just start freaking out that oh my god we're collapsing, we're gonna lose the number one seed, we're gonna lose this shit Giants team. If I can hear that today, which I think is very real, is, is a big possibility, uh, I'm gonna be happy. I will bask in your tears and misery. And then what's probably going to end up happening is they'll wake up, they'll get their head out of their ass, and they'll probably win like 27 to 14. I think the spread's right now 16. a lot. I mean, I, I, I think there's, on some key positions on the Giants, there's not a ton of difference between some of their stars and backups. What's the point? Um, but I, I think the Giants will not embarrass themselves today. I think the Eagles are going to get off to a slower start. Um, I think there will be a little bit of a freak out at some point by Eagles fans. And, um, but ultimately they'll probably win. They'll probably get home field and then we'll see how they do in the playoffs. So that's it. Uh, that's my Sony open preview. Uh, we'll be back on Monday night. Uh, no guests this week. It's just me and capper, uh, ripping shows. I'm sure he's going to be not in a great mood. Uh, because, for whatever reason, he is the host of the Golf Gambling Podcast. He has his own thoughts in mind. Uh, he tends to blame me sometimes <laughs> for things that go wrong, uh, which I guess I should say is flattering that he holds my opinion in such esteem. But listen, it's golf I get shit wrong, you know, like I will this week. So that's it. Uh, hope you guys enjoy the final round. Uh, of the your tournament champions. Hope you guys enjoy the final weekend uh, of the regular season of the NFL. I uh, hope all the players stay safe. Uh, hope you stay safe and uh we will i will talk to you next monday for well, tomorrow i mean.